Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. Exactly one year ago this weekend, Hope Church paused its in-person worship for five consecutive months. And then we reopened um, in uh, September with heavy precautions. Uh, Finally, finally, after one year, it looks like we are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. And as vaccinations uh, increase and uh, confidence rises, we are looking forward to regathering in a couple of months with voluntary restrictions. Amen. Amen? No? No? Amen? Okay. Um, I want you to do a favor for me. Can you just hold up your right hand if you're right-handed? Hold up your left hand if you're left-handed. All right. Look at it. Just look at it. And just imagine that it wasn't there. Now put it down. Because Jimmy Abbott was born with one hand, a left hand, not a right hand. It was not his fault. But the question for Jimmy Abbott was this, was he going to accept his fate or reject his fate? Would this situation make him better or would this situation make him bitter? This weekend, I want to talk about the art of acceptance, the art of acceptance. I've noticed over the last 12 months in a global pandemic and with economic stress and civil and racial unrest that many Jesus followers have become discouraged and even disillusioned and um, wishing that things would change rather quickly, but it hasn't. And there will be many times in life when Things will not change quickly as we desire. So I want to talk a little bit about this spiritual skill of the art of acceptance and how it will benefit us in days to come. Now let me hasten to add this. When I use the word acceptance, I am not saying to accept living in a condition that jeopardizes one's spiritual, physical, or emotional health and well-being. Let me repeat, when I use the word acceptance, I am not saying that we must live in a condition or conditions that endanger our spiritual and physical and emotional well-being. Did y'all hear me? Biblical acceptance is quite different. Biblical acceptance is trusting God the Father's wisdom, trusting his goodness, and trusting his timing 
when I cannot change the situation by godly means. I'll repeat that. Biblical acceptance is trusting God's wisdom because he is smarter than us and trusting God's goodness because he is more virtuous than us and trusting God's timing because he is more precise and more perfect than us. When I cannot change the situation through godly means. That's biblical acceptance. So suppose I'm living with someone uh, who is a gambling addict, uh, whether he or she, and um, the financial stability of the home is endangered or threatened. If they are not willing to seek and complete, not just seek, but complete treatment, help, or counseling, then I am not obligated to endanger my life, my children's life, etc., my spiritual, my physical, or emotional well-being. Biblical acceptance, again, is trusting God's wisdom, goodness, and timing when I cannot change the situation by godly means. Let's look at a text where we will learn about the art of acceptance. In John 11, Jesus um, was with his disciples and he got an urgent message one day. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he rushed to his bedside, dropped everything he was doing. Is that what it says? I'm amazed at that. No, it said... When he heard that he was sick, gravely ill, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now that, that, that intrigues me. There are three cases in the Gospel of John where Jesus delayed his arrival or his action when he was asked to do something immediately. He did not respond. He did respond, but not immediately. In all of those cases, they had to learn, like we, to accept his wisdom, his goodness, and his timing. The first of those cases is in John chapter 2 where Jesus and his disciples and his mother were invited to a friend's wedding. And during the festivities, the wine ran out. And the mother of Jesus went to him and said, the wine has run out. She knew he could do something about it and wanted him to act now. But he waited. He did act. 
but he waited. In John chapter 7, his brothers came to him. He had four brothers and two sisters, and they came and said, look, if you want your notoriety to really be known, you should go to Judea right now and perform these miracles. And Jesus waited. He didn't do it. And then we have our text, John 11, where Lazarus was sick and Mary and Martha who lived in Bethany. This was a home that Jesus lodged in when he was in Bethany. He stayed many nights with this family. They were near and dear to his heart. And when Lazarus was gravely ill, the sisters sent word for him to come now to the bedside of Lazarus to heal him of his, of his grave illness. But he waited two more days. And in the interim, his friend died. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I've been in a situation where I've said to God, God, now you know my situation. I, I need you to come now. In fact, if you don't arrive and do something and move by Friday at 5 o'clock, your servant has had it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I prayed that prayer. 6 o'clock came. I said, now, if you want to wait to Saturday, that's fine. <laughs> because I've learned that my urgency is not always his emergency. And I've had to accept Resisting acceptance starts with these two words. When I resist, and all of us have been there, it's if, Lord. Lord, if. If, Lord. That's exactly what Mary said when she saw him coming into the city. She said, and Mary came to the place where Jesus was. She saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, what? If. if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha said the same thing in verse 21 as well. If, Lord, you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's when we began to resist acceptance of God's wisdom, goodness, and timing. Because we all know he can do something about it. But why does he wait? So, Father, if you desire, I would not have been fired from this job. If you had desired, I would have not become seriously ill. If you had desired, I would not have all these problems of aging and caring for aging parents. If you desired, our country would not have even had to go through a global pandemic. If you desired, my mother, my brother, my sister, my father, they never would have died. We're too quick, aren't we, to pray for deliverance, immediate answers to be spared from discomfort and pain, I don't know about you, but I only want prevention, not intervention. Personally, I never want any hardship or discontent. Am I by myself? Never. But resisting starts with if, Lord. 
Whereas resting in acceptance, resting in acceptance is these two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I can either say if, Lord, or I can say yes, Lord. In fact, that's what Martha said. When Martha came to him outside of town before he got close to the house with Mary, her first words to him was, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe it. She began to rest in the acceptance because that's biblical acceptance. It's trusting God's wisdom, his goodness, and his timing when I cannot change the situation by godly means. Biblical acceptance means a positive state of mind rather than a negative state of mind. Biblical acceptance is sort of like using a card game analogy today. It's, it's an inner attitude to play the best I can with the hand that I have been dealt. Biblical acceptance is not so much a ideal situation, because I don't know about you, I've lived a long time and there is no such thing as an ideal situation. The only ideal situation is how I deal with the situation. So yes, Lord, I accept your wisdom. Yes, Lord, I accept your goodness. Yes, Lord, I accept your timing. I don't understand it, but yes, Lord. I don't like it. But yes, Lord. I don't agree with it, but yes, Lord. It hurts, but yes, Lord. That's resting in acceptance. But there were two reasons that Jesus delayed in this passage, and it's the same reasons that he delay even today. The first reason was this. He wants us to give greater glory to God the Father. That's why he delayed. He wants us to give greater glory to God the Father. In fact, that's exactly what John the writer says. When Jesus heard this, that Lazarus had been sick, or was sick under death, he said, this sickness is not meant for death, but it is for thee glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Hmm. What did Jesus mean by that? His disciples didn't understand it, but he explains it to us. In his return to Bethany, imagine if he had rushed to Lazarus' bedside and healed him from his sickness. God would have gotten some glory, to be sure. But him waiting two more days, Lazarus is now dead. God received greater glory because he delayed. And it's like that for us in the spiritual life as well. But this foreshadows something even greater. Because this motion of going to Bethany at the time he did set 
a chain reaction of events in place that hastened the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And this was a foreshadowing of his own death and resurrection by which God gets the greatest glory. God always has something up his sleeve. He always has something in mind when he decides to delay. And part of it is he wants you and me to receive the greatest possible glory. Now, what is glory? What does that word mean? Biblically, the word glory means to spotlight the weight and significance of God's name in my words and my deeds. It's to spotlight the weight and significance of God's name with my words and my deeds. Here's a second thing. Glory is like a rolling billboard. It's advertising something. It means to commercialize or highlight his fame by my words and my deeds. And the third thing, it means to deflect credit from me to him. That's glory. It's to spotlight his name, to highlight his fame, for me to be a rolling billboard in my words and my deeds so that I deflect the credit from me to him. That's why he delays. He wants greater glory to himself and also to us because we will spotlight his name and deflect credit to him. And here's the last reason that he delays. He delays for us to develop deeper trust in Jesus the Son. If we're honest with ourselves, we need to go from one level, surface trust, to another level, deeper trust. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. So Jesus said plainly to his disciples, Lazarus died. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to prevent his death so that you may what? But they already believed. Well, what he is saying is so that you may believe at a deeper level. That's why God takes us through some things so that we may believe at a deeper level. And let me let you in on a clue. When God delays, he's trying to get us to trust him at a deeper level at a point in time because there will be another point in time that I'm going to need to trust him at even a deeper, deeper level. So he's setting me up so that I can have peace of mind and acceptance at a deeper level. That's what he meant. I'm glad I was not there immediately to solve this situation so that you might believe at a deeper level. That's where he's trying to take us. I started with the story of Jim Abbott. I want to close with the story of Jimmy Abbott. To paraphrase Dr. Bob Peterson, on 9 September 1967 in Flint, Michigan, Jimmy Abbott was born missing a right hand. It was not his fault. His classmates teased him unmercifully. Some were afraid and ran away from him because of his prosthesis that he had in place of his missing right hand. But what Jimmy hated the most 
was the fact that the kids did not want him on their team. He loved baseball so much that he threw away that clunky prosthesis and he played catch with his dad hour after hour after hour. And he perfected the art of fielding the ball and grabbing the ball and throwing it with his left hand. Eventually, the one-handed fielder could do ground balls, catch ground balls, as well as any two-handed boy. But it was impossible for Jimmy to tie his shoes. His mom would tie them in the morning, but during the day they would become untied and she wasn't there to retie them. However, one day his third grade teacher, Mr. Don Clarkson, exclaimed, Jimmy, Jimmy, come here, come here. I figured out how to do it. And he took Jimmy out in the hallway and he demonstrated how to tie his shoes with one hand. Jimmy later discovered that it must have taken Mr. Clarkson hours of figuring out the trick of tying shoelaces with one hand. Jimmy often says about Mr. Clarkson that that act of devotion was the most inspiring moment of his life. It helped him accept his situation. If someone would go through all that trouble for him, nothing was impossible for him to accomplish. He went on to the University of Michigan where he became a pitching sensation with one hand. He led the U.S. college baseball team to the gold medal in the 1988 Summer Olympics. That same year, the Major League Baseball team, the California Angels, drafted him in the first round. Fans streamed into ballparks watching as they were amazed that he could feel grounders and throw out runners and actually pitch on a major league level as well as any two-handed pitcher. But nothing compared to the magical game at Yankee Stadium in 1993. Watch this. Indians have not had a man pass first base. Byerga batting 318. And the ground ball is short. Bellardi, he did it. He did it. No hitter for Jim Abbott. Jim Abbott throws a no hitter and shuts out the Cleveland Indians four to nothing. Mobbed by his teammates. A big hug from Matt Noakes. Jim Abbott has just no hit the Cleveland Indians. Ooh, I feel like preaching just right there. <laughs> Jimmy Abbott accomplished the most difficult feat in pitching a no-hitter with only one hand. He has achieved baseball immortality. But watch this. Did you hear the glory? in the crowd for him, the highlighting of his name and his fame. Well, it's very similar in the spiritual life. When we develop the spiritual skill of acceptance, then we give greater glory to God and we learn deeper trust 
in the sun. And yet, Jimmy Abbott says of all the awards that he ever received, the ones, those cannot compare to his daddy playing catch with him hour after hour after hour, and Mr. Clarkson, his third grade teacher, taking hours to teach him how to tie his shoes without a right hand. Jimmy Abbott tells us today that his favorite pastime is teaching kids how to tie their shoes. <laughs> I like that. All of us have a part in helping others accept the hand that they have been dealt with. We can't do it by ourselves. We need each other. But together we can help each other Learn the spiritual skill and the art of acceptance, of trusting God's goodness because he is more virtuous than us, trusting his wisdom because he's smarter than us, and trusting God's timing because he's more precise and perfect than us. Pray with me. Oh, gracious God, our Father, we thank you that you don't always listen to us. And when we say we need you now, you don't always come when we want you to come. But those of us who have walked with you for any length of time, we have come to realize you're rather early, but you're never late. So thank you. And we pray that you would teach us to develop this spiritual skill so that we can bring greater glory, spotlight your name, highlight your fame, deflect credit from us to you so that people can really see the weight and significance of your person by our words and our deeds. And that we can learn to trust you at a deeper level for days to come. In the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus, our Savior, we pray and praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.